This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey folks, welcome back. I'm Peter Capelli. I'm Dan O'Mara. I'm a professor of management here at the Wharton School. I'm a partner at Ogletree Deacons in Philadelphia. And Thanksgiving is over. Dan, how'd it go at your house? Fabulous. How many people did you have at the... Actually, we had about 25 people. No way, Way, really. Way, Well, we're moving into the holiday season. We're going to start out in this half hour talking about employee branding. And uh, we got two guests uh, to talk uh, about this with us, give us a sense of what's going on. Susan Lamott, who's the CEO of Exaquio, quite a name there, Susan. And this is a company that does human resource branding consulting. And Kate uh, Zimberg, who is the director of human resources at a company we all know called T-Mobile U.S., and they have been employee branded. So we're going to find out what's involved with this. So Kate, Susan, I hope you're on. Welcome. Thanks Thank you. Hello. So uh, let's just start out, uh, Susan. Let me ask you about uh, employee branding. It sounds very painful. You're, you're, <laughs> oh, you're not actually. Wait, the producer's telling me you're not actually branding. Okay, right. All right. Let's change this segment. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> so we're not branding people, um, but tell us what employer branding means. So what do, when t- companies talk about they got to improve their employer brand, what are they talking about? Yes, there's no fire or uh, tattooing involved here. It'd be a m- more interesting there. story if it was. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody wants to. Um, okay. When we talk about employer brand, we're really talking about how an organization brands and markets their employment experience so that they can attract talent and retain talent that really performs well and thrives in the organization. Okay. Thrives in the way that they get work done inside their organization. Okay, so this is marketing brought to human resources kind of, yeah? It is, but it's much broader than human resources because you're focused on marketing the entirety of the employment experience. And as we all know or should know, culture starts at the top. It starts with your executive team. And culture is a big part of marketing that employment experience. So we're marketing it to whom? So it certainly sounds uh, like understandable thing that you're trying to hire people and recruit them. So you want them to understand what it's like to work there and your employee-er brand suggests that. But what else is going on then besides recruiting? Yeah, you're trying to really make sure you're clearly explaining what it's like to work inside of an organization. Okay. So you're focused on recruiting talent who you can really help them understand, here's what's really great about working for our company. Here are our strengths. Here okay. are the attractors. Okay. But also, here are the realities. So a couple of years ago, when the New York Times wrote that scathing piece on Amazon and said, you know, Amazon's a really tough workplace, they work their employees to the bone, they have really long work hours, and they're really strict in terms of performance. Jeff Bezos came out and said, yeah, that's actually true. And it was kind of a brilliant thing that he did, because the idea is he doesn't want to attract people that are just looking to work Uh 95. If he did that, they would get in the organization and they would realize, oh, this isn't what you sold me. I always use the metaphor of, you know, you open a can of ginger ale, you expect ginger ale. If it's yeah. Coca-Cola, you'll be disappointed, not because you don't like Coke, but because you were expecting ginger ale. Yeah. Now, so in, it's all in, about being clear. Okay, yeah. Now, in fairness, as I recall, Jeff Bezos also said um, that that's the, <clears throat> he did not recognize the company that was reported 
in that story, so he didn't completely embrace it, right? That's true. There are definitely some challenges that they had and some things that they were dealing with, both legally and functionally. But overarchingly, he said, you know, our culture is what it is, and this okay. is how we are successful. Okay. And that's really the key, because you want to be as honest as you can. Otherwise, employees will come work for you. They'll be so excited about all the bells and whistles, but then they'll get there, and it's not what you promised them. Right. So, and as you, know, you all know, turnover is incredibly expensive. So people who are in human resources for a long time will recognize the phrase, a realistic job preview, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of what you're describing, right? You're trying to let people know what the job is before you take it so that if you don't think it's going to suit you, you don't take it, right? That's right. And that you also evaluate what are the things that are difficult about working there. So if you are a company, for example, going through change, as T-Mobile is, you know that ahead of time. And you know, okay, I have to be comfortable with change. If I'm not, this is not the place for me. Mm -hmm. Yep, that certainly sounds right. So uh, we're going to get Kate uh, to you in just a second and find out what's going on at T-Mobile. But before we get that, let's see if we can um, think a little bit about some examples, Susan, for folks who aren't particularly clued into this part of the planet. What are some examples of employee branding that maybe people who are – you know, used to at least are familiar with the media and stuff, might have heard of or might have seen themselves. Sure. Who's so good at I'll this? Compare, I'll compare two particular hospitality organizations that are very different, but both have their own employer brand. Okay. The first is Marriott International. Um, everyone's familiar with Marriott. They're on the largest hotel chain around the world, recently acquired Starwood. Their employer brand, um, which I created in 2010, that they the brand line they still use is Find Your World. And it's hmm. brilliant because you join Marriott for opportunity, right? Um, with all of the different locations, with all of the different brands they have in their portfolio, ah. opportunity is endless. Okay. However, Marriott is known for having really strong brand standards. Mm -hmm. So you have to follow um, particular processes and standards. They're in lockstep at all of their locations. That consistency is part of their success. Okay. Contrast that with Kempinski Hotels. Kempinski Hotels is a luxury hotelier that's headquartered in Switzerland, and their employer brand, which we recently developed, is Crafted by You. The difference with Kempinski is that all of their locations are very different, ah. from the buildings okay. to the way that they deliver service, all, of course, at a luxury exceptional level. But when you're a um, just out of hotel school or you're a young hotelier and you're trying to decide where I want to work, it an opportunity to really compare, do I want a place where my career opportunities may be endless, where I might have a portfolio of 20 plus individual brands that I can work for? Okay. Or do I want to go work at a place where I might have more opportunity to really craft every experience for a guest every day mm -hmm. and not have these brand standards that I'm in lockstep? I've got more latitude mm -hmm. to customize locally. Okay. So it's a, a great way to compare and contrast what might be right for you as a candidate or an aspiring hotelier. Okay. That sounds uh, like it's a perfectly sensible uh, thing. Uh, maybe one more issue on that, I guess, and that is uh, to what extent does the uh, branding exercise, what extent is it about communicating to your current employees as well? So I think that's one of the most important things about employer brand. Employer brand has its sort of roots in recruitment marketing. Yep. We always think about it as marketing to hire but the reality is you've got to brand the entire employment experience. It's very similar to consumer branding, right? We don't brand a product 
just to acquire customers. We've got to keep them and maintain their loyalty. The same thing goes for employees. So the best employer brands aren't just marketing to candidates. They're also continuing to market and reinforce the brand and the strength of that employment experience through onboarding, through career development, okay. through benefits and compensation, all yep. the way through to departure. Yep. So one of the things that's, that suggests is you better be consistent in all this stuff, right? A better line up or people are going to be more irritated with you than if you didn't do the marketing and the, first, the branding in the first place, I suppose, right? Consistency is the most important thing, but so is authenticity. If you read, you know, pick 10 corporate career sites, many of them all sound the same. They use what I call breathless language, right? Mm, Which is, we're diverse. We have opportunity. They don't really tell you what it's like to work there. So authenticity is absolutely key. Yep. Uh, Kate, let's uh, see if we can bring you into this conversation a little bit. So everybody knows T-Mobile. You've got the, I guess, the advantage of a very well-known brand on the consumer side. Why did you get interested in doing something about your employee or employer brand? And what was it you were trying to do? Yes. Well, for a number of years now, for several years now, we've been working on that consumer brand, as you've alluded to, and it's gotten to be very well-known, very well-respected, backed up by everything we deliver as a company. From an employer perspective, We found that we had a really great brand when it comes to our retail and care. We really put a lot of focus there. But the group that I support is in our technology division. And from a technology perspective, we were finding that our brand as an employer wasn't as strong. We were seen as a telecom company, as a wireless company. And really the group I'm working with is a technology organization. And going out and not being seen as the people who fix printers, (laughs) or being seen as as doing basic uh, computer work, but instead really cutting-edge technology and software development was important to us in locating those great recruits that we needed. Mm -hmm. So we really knew we needed to zero in on that and contacted Exacquio, and Susan and her team have been helping us with that. Yeah, so let's uh, talk about that a little bit, because it's an interesting challenge for a lot of corporations now, right? Because they've got a brand, and the brand is probably built around their... Um, their consumer experience and what they're best known for in selling. But as you illustrate with this example, your brand in the consumer market might be quite different than what you're trying to do. People, you know, if you're at Walmart, for example, right, they're trying to develop systematic analytics in certain parts of the organization, but nobody thinks of Walmart as a place that's analytical, right? And do you end up, uh, Susan, having to fight your brand in, in that sense? Or, or, or what do you do about this? And we'll find out from Kate what, what they did at T-Mobile. What do you do when you confront that, where after a employee segment, which doesn't sound like the segment we associate with your customer brand? So I think at the end of the day, you have to remember we're all in service of our brand. So whatever Walmart is doing um, for the customer they have to make the connection to say this highly analytical work that we're doing internally, here's ultimately what that looks like on the store shelf, or here's what that looks like with our retail footprint. And I think that's the most important thing is to make the connection to the end service, um, whether that's your B2B or B2C organization. Okay. Uh, and that's going to be true, Kate, in, in your context. I want to hear what, what you folks did. Before we do that, though, let's just remind listeners what we're doing. We're talking about employer branding. 
And we're talking with Kate Zimberg from T-Mobile U.S. and Susan Lamott from Exaquio. I'm going to get that right, Susan, by the end of this talk, I, I assure exactly. you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Dan. <laughs> right. So let's turn to, to T-Mobile, Kate. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's talk about what you did. So you got this brand, well-known wireless company, phone company. By the way, Dan, do you have T-Mobile? No. I used to. Uh, so, Kate, if you want to get Dan as T-Mobile, he's available. And after the show, <laughs> just give him a call yeah. and we'll see. I'm uh, increasingly annoyed with my carrier. There you so go. Maybe as, it'll happen. As are hey, many, I, I as will many get you people. hooked up. <laughs> as are many people. So, you, so let's just uh, lay this out for people. Well-known brand. Brand is phones, wireless, and you're trying to go after candidates who you would associate with the tech industry and probably pretty fancy uh, IT-related programming stuff, yeah? So what do you do? Well, one of the first things we did at a very, very simple level is two years ago, uh, this part of the organization was actually referred to as enterprise IT. Okay. And if you want to go out and recruit highly technical people and some of the most competitive talent, one of the first things you can do to turn them off is to tell them you're an IT team. Oh, and because okay. it, just, it conjures a lot of old traditional imagery and does not seem innovative or cutting edge. So we went ahead and renamed and rebranded, but we did that in, so now we're product and technology uh, within T-Mobile, obviously, and in conjunction with that, we started to make a number of other changes. We started really getting our employees and leaders in the organization doing meetups or presenting at conferences. Uh, publishing through open source, okay, doing a lot of those things that really demonstrate it's not just language, it's real. Okay. Because we have great technology, we have brilliant minds, brilliant work we're doing, and how did we get out there and sell that okay. and really make it real? Uh, you asked Susan before about you know, what, is, what is the value of, of making sure your current employees understand and live that brand. Mm-hmm. They're your strongest recruiters when you get out there. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly important that we show that our current employees really live, breathe, and are the brand and the reality of being here. And so we ne- renamed, but we also got our army of employees out there working towards really demonstrating that brand. Okay. And, and Kate, uh, just for the benefit of listeners, Kate is a Ph.D. psychologist. So do you think, uh, Kate, how much of this was actually about trying to influence the way your current employees think. That is, by having them do these kinds of exercises. Mm-hmm. Was this partly done on purpose to get them to look at themselves differently? Absolutely, it was. Absolutely. We definitely want our employees to think of themselves as being part of a technology industry and to really feel valued in that way. We Our locations for our technology department are in highly competitive employment areas, Seattle Mm -hmm. being a big one. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us as we want to retain these people and make sure they're giving us their best and that they feel valued, that they know that we recognize that they are incredibly skilled and that they are technology employees. Okay. Uh, And so then, uh, Susan, let's get in here a little bit, the kind of advice that you gave uh, Kate, first about maybe you didn't have any uh, say in the in the name of the group, but let's let's assume you if you didn't, what would you ideally want to call a group like this besides Google, which would probably work? <laughs> Just call it Google. <laughs> I don't think we'd want to come up with a name without doing research. Um, okay. I think we would we would it, the most one of the most important things you can do when you're building an employer brand in an organization or making the shift Kate talks about 
is to do the research, to go out and understand brand perception. And that's what we did with T-Mobile. So we did some unbiased research to understand what do people actually think of when they think of T-Mobile? Do they think of it as a tech organization? And when they think of, of T-Mobile, do they think about it as a tech organization that they would want to work for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think those underlying answers that we uncovered um, were really surprising to the organization that while the, the inside, the ambassadors, as Kate talks about, the employees were really excited about what was happening in product and technology and how the organization um, was transforming in that way. Externally, that brand percep- perception did not line up. Yep. And so I mm-hmm. think you look to research to help you determine how do you shift things like the name of a function yeah. or how do you make those changes within the organization. Right. That seems to me a big issue, right? Because if you've got this disconnect between the employee brand that you've got and the one you want, um, that's pretty hard to change, right? It's kind of like organization culture. Organization culture comes from what you're actually doing and changing the culture without having to change what you do in the organization is effectively impossible. So how, how far can you change the brand on something like this? At Exactly. We have a line we say all the time, which is if you're authentic, you have no competition. So I think the key is being authentic about where you are in that journey. And that's what T-Mobile is doing so well, is owning this transformation and being really clear about shifting from being this old school telco and disrupting the wireless industry and truly being that uncarrier, not just to consumers, but to their employees in the way that they're behaving and acting um, and getting their work done in the organization. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be practical here for a bit. So T-Mobile has got, it sounds like, some really good uh, scores on employee surveys, some good recognition from Glassdoor and other sorts of places that this is a really nice place to work. What do you do with that? That's either either Kate or Susan. As long as you don't both talk at the same time, that's fine. <laughs> what do you do with that? It's, not, it's great stuff, but what do you do with that? to help your brand? Well, I'll I'll just speak about it internally and then let Susan pick it up from her end. We certainly are always monitoring how we're showing up on those various sites because it's important to us not only to understand and be able to talk with candidates about that and for our employees to know about that. We celebrate when we win awards and whatnot for those different organizations. But importantly, we pay attention when someone is putting something up there that suggests they did not have a good experience. Oh, okay. And Mm -hmm. we look closely at that and say, okay, most people had a great experience, but this person didn't. What's behind that? Mm -hmm. Is that real? How How do we change the company so that we have more of the right experience? Okay. Right, so that's kind of interactive, I suppose. But can you use that in your, um, and how do you use that in your brand? I mean, I suppose there's no, uh, you don't have to worry about bragging, right? Bragging's probably okay in this in this world, Susan? What, what do you think? Bragging is absolutely okay, as okay. long as you're bragging about the things that you know matter. Okay. So when you build an employer brand, you start out first by understanding from your current workforce, what are your strengths? What are the okay. things that we as an employer do well? And then you can think about how best to brand and market those strengths, right? You want to sell yourself differently than your competitors do. You don't want to be the exact same. And so the idea is you're bragging about the things that not only your employees say you do well, but that you actually are um, valuing as an organization and that is part of your own strategy as an employer. So if 
um, for example, um, pride is something your employees value and you do that really well, um, right? The T-Mobile CEO is really prideful and, and sets the stage and demonstrates that for employees across the organization. That's something you can brag about and really carrying that consistency through, I think, is key. Okay. So does this look, uh, Kate, when you roll it out, does this look like a consumer-based marketing campaign? You got logos, you got slogans, you got uh, posters around the organization, and you've got ads that you're pushing out to possible recruits. Does it look a lot like that, or does it look different? It will look somewhat like that. Uh, We are in the midst of working out what that campaign looks like right now. Susan's helping us with that. Uh, And based on the research that her team has done, that will guide what kind of imagery we use, what kind of language we use. We pride ourselves a lot on our, quote unquote, uncarrier language. And Mm, so it'll be very important to us that that shows up in everything that we do. So right now we're working two concurrent trains of activity. One has to do with that branding, material, messaging, internal and external. Mm -hmm. And the other is... Uh, how do we make sure we stay true to who we are and continue to evolve ourselves internally in the right ways and to continue to embrace what we like? So the research that Susan's team has done has been great in informing both of those paths. So in the consumer world, it's pretty common to see companies uh, try to market themselves in part by describing their competitors, right? So we're not like Verizon uh, or somebody else, right, on the consumer side. Has that ever happened in employee branding, employer branding, too, where you can say, you know, if you wanted to be at Verizon, this is not the place for you. We're not a blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Does that happen, or does that sound start to sound creepy? No, I think it absolutely happens, for sure. Mm -hmm. I would say on the, you know, on the general employer brand trend side, um, most HR functions um, own employer brands, and we're pretty respectful of our peers in the space, so we're not out trashing or belittling other organizations. What we are doing is making sure that we're clear on differentiation. So we're looking at how our competitors position themselves. What are they selling as part of their employment experience? Really? And then we're making it clear huh. as to how we're different. You know, huh. What can okay. you get differently by working with us? Okay. And then why should you choose us over huh. another competitor? Okay, so it is like marketing strategy. You're figuring out what other people are looking for or what other employers are saying their experiences, and you might not want to go head-to-head with them. You might want to spin yours a little bit if they've already got that space nailed down. Very similar to the consumer front. Um, Mm -hmm. We focus a lot on building out brand positions so that you can plot where your um, competitors, how are they positioning themselves, and what are they saying about their experience, and how can yours be different? So let's dish a little bit here, if you don't mind. Let's talk about examples that you've seen that you think are pretty good that people might, uh, might have known about or might be just only if there's hunting for a new job, and maybe ones that you think are maybe not so good. And let me give you a, maybe kick off with an example. The, the most money, I think, on employee branding, employer branding, is spent by the U.S. military. And, uh, you know, this is in their advertisements that you see on TV, right, uh, to join the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Army. Who spends the most money, Dan? What do you think out of those? Marines? No. Who spends the most? Yeah. Of the military branches? Yeah, the military branches. Army. Army for sure, yeah. because 
they need the most people. Yeah. Right? And the other thing about that I think is kind of interesting is that if you if you pay attention to those brands and images and things they're generating, some of them stay kind of the same. And I'd say the Marines are one of those. doesn't change very much. The Army one changes a lot. It was just a little while ago they were doing the Army of One. You remember that? No. You're an Army of One. Susan, help me out here. Um, yes, they were. And yes, there you go. I remember was that. See, Dan, you're not watching TV yeah. enough. <laughs> or Army Strong. And uh, they change those a lot. And the reason they change them a lot is they're trying to get 100,000 recruits every year. And they're paying a ton of attention to what is going on with 18-year-old young men, right? So they're trying to tailor it to that, you know? Uh, Susan, who do you think does a good job on this? Anybody that we would see as maybe a regular person rather than a job seeker? In terms of employer brand, there's a lot of organizations that are doing it well in different ways. So, for example... Um, Dell is really well known for their brand ambassador program and the way that they're connecting. They take their employees and have their employees connect um, as brand ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Um, L'Oreal is really well known for their university recruiting and how they've connected globally with universities. Mm-hmm. And Princeton University is one of the first universities to come out with its own employer brand. Oh, really? And they've yeah. done a really good job at competing in their local market, right? If you live in um, New Jersey or in the Philadelphia area, of course, as you all know, pharma is so big. Princeton um, University as an employer can't really compete with the necessarily with the big salaries or the high career paths that pharma offers. Uh-huh. They do a really good job at differentiating um, how they're different and why you might choose to work for Princeton over big pharma. Uh, so what do they say? We're snooty? We're snooty? What do they say? People think you're smart if you work for us. People think you're smart? (laughs) (laughs) Their brand line is more impact than you can imagine. And the idea is that you're actually making impact at all levels in in the university. And a really good example of that is we talked to a uh, dining hall employee who was Syrian. Uh And she told a really compelling story about how students come through her line each day. They recognize that she was Syrian um, uh-huh. through conversation with her, yeah. and they started having conversations about what they were learning in class about the Syrian conflict. Oh. And they would come back to her line regularly to continue those conversations. Hmm. So she yeah. felt like she was having a real impact on the future minds of America mm-hmm. um, and, oh. and globally. Very and nice. that was really compelling to her. Very nice. nice. And before we let you go, uh, have you guys seen anything uh, that you thought was really awful? Maybe if you don't want to name the name of the company, you can just tell us what it is. Something that An example of something that really doesn't fit or really doesn't. Didn't work well, I'll weigh in quickly, and then, Kate, if you've got any examples. Sure. Um, last year, Heineken launched a really cool campaign called Going Places. Yep. And they hired a, a really um, a big agency. They, I'm sure, spent a ton of money. It was very flashy, really cool tech. But they made a, a little bit of a, a mistake, if you will. Um, when you went to apply, you went through this whole cool experience, and then you clicked into Apply Now into their applicant tracking system, uh-huh. and nothing was branded. Oh, It was the hmm. same terrible candidate experience that many of us are used to with applicant tracking systems. And yep. you know, from a branding perspective, that's a, that's a big fail. Okay, yeah. So you get to the gate, and then once you get in the gate, it looks awful. Yeah, That's right. Very cool. Uh, Kate, you got one? Uh, I don't have a specific company, but what I see all too often is what Susan just described of a lackluster experience when you get in there. Yeah. But also when I see campaigns that are tone deaf with respect 
to what's happening uh, around the country from a oh. diversity perspective. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. perhaps you see all of you know one particular uh, skin color or maybe only male or only only female uh, candidates kind of like in advertising. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like our show here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But we won't go there, so we should probably let you guys go. Thanks very much for being with us. Kate Zimberg from T-Mobile uh-huh. and Susan Lamott from Exactio. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.